afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up? And welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack. Luke Smith is alongside me as always. And it's our Senior Day edition as Notre Dame is set to host the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in the final home game of the 2021 season. It's honestly kind of hard to believe we're at this point. Um, In some ways, it feels like this season has flown by. But at other times, it's felt like the season has lasted about like five years. Uh, Anyway, we'll discuss some of our favorite Senior Day memories. Then we'll break down Georgia Tech on both sides of the ball. And we'll finish off with some predictions. But let's start with Senior Day because it's a very special moment for all the seniors on the roster, obviously, their families, the coaching staff, but all the senior students as well. So, Luke, what are some of your favorite Senior Day memories? It's interesting. To be honest, I think growing up there was kind of a bad association with Senior Day, and that's because Notre Dame had some really awful Senior Day losses in the early 2000s. I think uh, the Tyler Paco game, or Tyler F. Paco in 2004, the guy who swore on air after Pitt beat us at home. Um, That comes to mind. Syracuse in 2008, where students were pelting their classmates on the sideline with snowballs. And of course, 2009, where Randy Edsel and the ghost of Jasper Howard uh, and UConn beat Notre Dame. Uh, So there were some really bad ones. Um, Brian Kelly's kind of fixed that, though. Um, Only losses on senior day are to Louisville in 2014, thanks Kyle Brinza, and to Virginia Tech in the forgotten 2016 year. So we have kind of rectified that, but I think growing up, there were probably more rotten memories than not. Definitely. I was at that 2009 game and that was probably the worst experience I had in Notre Dame stadium. Um, I was sitting right behind the band and who was the running back on UConn who like scored a touchdown and then put his hands up right in front of touchdown Jesus and got booed. It was just a rough day. I don't know know what I'm talking about. I I just, what I no, Yeah. What I recall most is that they ran on the field with the dead guy's Jersey. Um, and then also, you remember who the quarterback was for UConn was Zach Frazier. Yeah, who transferred, the, out of transferred Notre Dame. from Notre Dame. Right. I guess at that point, had Charlie Weiss already been told that he wasn't going to return? No, or was they, it after that game and then they did the Stanford game knowing that it was Weiss's last game? I mean, the writing was on the wall. They didn't officially fire him until the morning after the Stanford game. But right. I remember reading an article from everybody's favorite guy, uh, John Walters, uh, talking about when he met Charlie Weiss at like five in the morning, the day after his last game at Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame Stadium, just walked around campus with him and like was apparently a great interview that day. Um, But I don't think he had actually been fired yet at that point, but it was his last game and what a last game it was. Yeah. What was your student or what was your uh, senior day like as a student? It was cold as hell. Um, it was Florida state scheduled for a night game before the year. Cause people thought Florida state were, was going to be good. We had three night games that year, which is kind of ridiculous looking back on. Um, but I just remember like the tailgates at our house and legacy were in the snow that day. It was freezing. 
but it was a lot of fun. Um, Florida State was really bad. Notre Dame came out in warm-ups shirtless, and Nick Coleman had a pick on, like, the first play of the game. Dex went off. Just a blast. Um, I think what I remember the most uh, is being in the bathroom at one point trying to pour a flask into a stadium cup, and I just heard, like, a roar. And sure enough, it was just another Dex crib call. It was actually where we got that iconic photo of him giving the Florida State defender the deuces as he's going to the end zone. But I think one of the cooler things Notre Dame does is allowing seniors to come onto the field to take pictures after the game. I mean, it's really just a perfect backdrop, and just they give you as much time as you need just to be on the field and take pictures with your friends. It's a really cool thing they do. I think the first time they did that was like the Utah game in 2010, at least from what I recall. But I think that's one of the cooler things Notre Dame does for its student body. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've mentioned before on this podcast how my senior day in 2017 – <laughs> the weather could not have been worse. The game really wasn't much yeah. better. I think I was the only one in the junior class there that day. Everybody else skipped it. That wouldn't surprise me at all. The weather was like 35 and rainy, a little bit of snow. Notre Dame was playing Navy, and they were wearing those Newt Rockney throwback uniforms. Oh, I personally found them hideous. They so were ugly. I was actually pretty upset that they decided to wear those in the last game. I was like, what? Like you're not even gonna have the gold helmets, so that kind of felt. Oh, that's right. They wore green in my last one. <laughs> yeah, they did. That was sort of. A, was that a surprise, or did they announce it like the day before? They like the seniors. They said they like came out this video during the week. Said like for the seniors, they basically like let them decide if they wanted to wear green or not. And Ford State was so bad that they didn't have to worry about curses or anything. That's true. The green jersey curse was a real thing. I think it's a like. I don't even know. When did it end? Didn't Notre Dame wear green jerseys against like Army in two thousand six? Yeah. Just to and they also that did curse. it against like uh, was it like Mar- who did they play at FedEx Field? Some was it Maryland or Maryland. like yeah yeah? Maryland. And they had like the the honeycomb helmets yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I have a hot take. Okay. I don't like the new green jerseys like the green jerseys that they wore against Florida State. I don't like those. I don't. I either. like the green jerseys that they wore against USC. In 2005 and 2006, because mm-hmm. it's a darker green, the gold numbers are cool. But they, you mean 2007, the ones that were like more kind of Kelly? Well, they weren't even. Kelly. No, no, no. The, no, they wore they wore one game in 2006. I think it was. Oh yeah, game. they did. They did. And then 2007, yeah, the throwbacks, like the original green jerseys, those are cool. Yeah, I like those. But the new ones, I don't know. I guess I just don't really like that shade of green. I know I'm probably gonna get some yeah, heat I, for that. Well, I think it's Under Armour. <laughs> Under Armour sucks. <laughs> okay, let's blame it on them. And yeah, if you're going to go green, go like all green because they'll have like green jerseys, but then navy blue sleeves and socks. I don't know. I think it's a weird look. You're right. But again, I think I think we're in the minority because some people love them. Uh, I don't know if many people really do, but I also will say I think it's, you know, another cool aspect of senior day is the obviously the stuff you mentioned before the game. I think Manti Teos is probably one of the most like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, looked anticipated just when he was going to run on the field in the lays. I'm also going to say, this is my stamp. They should let Kyle and Kyron and, and Kyron Williams get the same treatment this weekend because we know they're both gone. And I mean, Kyron Williams is a Notre Dame icon. Kyle Hamilton is the best talent to come through here. And God knows how long give them their moment. Just going to say that right now. Seriously. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. The unfortunate thing about that is it, it forces them to announce now and that would be kind of weird, I guess. Right. It, it's it's a little bit different in college basketball where literally freshmen will get the senior day treatment because they know going into it, it's a one-year or two-year deal, whatever it may be. But in college football, it's a little unprecedented for any player mm-hmm. to announce that they're going during the season, even if we all know that they're going to leave. 
so yeah, I guess that's a little unfortunate that they're probably going to wait. Until I mean, the Sean end of the Crawford season. got like three senior days. He just needs to forfeit one of his each <laughs> to those guys. Yeah, be good, but um, that's a fair trade off. Yeah, totally. Um, I got to say though, I think you know the the best senior day of all time is 2012. There's not a doubt in my mind. Um, playing Wake Forest, Notre Dame smacks them, shuts them out. I actually came down from a basketball practice that morning. So I literally just made the tail end of that game. But as we know, uh, that evening, Notre Dame became the number one team in the country. So uh, the the scene that night in South Bend was well worth being there for. Totally. I was there as well with my whole family, went up that day. And the game was, I think it was really cold, but it got out of hand early. And there was just a special bond with that team just because Notre Dame had not really mm-hmm. been competitive in the national championship BCS picture in so long. There became such a serious attachment to that team. Um, they dominated Wake Forest. John Goodman had this incredible one-handed touchdown catch. I feel like every time he did have a touchdown catch, the degree of difficulty was one-handed. at his all-time <laughs> high. Yeah, uh, he had that one against Michigan State that season, too. That was really memorable. But they sort of ran away with it, got some older guys in late in the game. Like, you got walk-ons coming in late, so that's awesome. And then after the game... All the students had their lays for Manti, and then I think the seniors just stayed on the field. They literally did a lap after the game, pretty much. I remember Golick Jr. was in there, Toma, a few other guys just running around the stadium. It's really cool to see. That was a really fun year, and you're right. That night was insane, although looking back, it's kind of unfortunate that Kansas State blew it because Mm -hmm. if Notre Dame had played Kansas State that year— the whole program, that whole season is talked about so differently because Notre Dame would have absolutely beat Kansas State. Did they lose to Oregon or was it Baylor? They lost to Baylor. They lost to Baylor. Their national championship hopes went away. And then that night, it became clear Notre Dame was going to be the number one team. I think me and my dad or me and my family might have gone back to campus because we were staying in a hotel. And then we went back and there was like all kinds of students out. It was crazy. That was a, that was mm-hmm. a nuts time. But now we almost expect Notre Dame to be in the national championship picture, or at least the college football playoff picture at the end of the year. And here we are yet again. Um, Notre Dame is certainly on the outside looking in. This week they moved up one spot in the CFP rankings to eighth. And the path now, we already mentioned it a little bit in the recap, but there's still a lot that needs to happen. I would still give Notre Dame lower than 50%, but there's a path and and it's kind of cool that they're still in it at this point in the season. Without a doubt. And, um, I mean, I started to have some really crazy thoughts this morning, which I'm not going to expand upon. Uh, you already was... started on, on Tuesday when you started <laughs> breaking down why Notre Dame would have a shot against Georgia. So I don't even want to know what you were thinking of this morning. Well, I didn't really. Well, <laughs> but I do want to talk about one thing. We need to talk about the Michigan thing. You know, Michigan is the recipient of the treatment that everybody says Notre Dame gets. Uh, first, I want to go back to 2018, if you recall. When everybody and their mother said that Michigan should have been ahead of Notre Dame, despite Notre Dame dominating them and beating them week one, thankfully that Ohio State beat them by 55 points, so it didn't matter, whatever it was. This year, um, they lose to Michigan State. Game they probably should have won, but they lost the game. Michigan State then loses the next week, and inexplicably, Michigan is ranked ahead of them with the same record, even though they lost to them. What's Michigan's best win? Uh, Wisconsin and I think they lost or they beat them by, oh, less than Notre Dame did. And, you know, you could, I know some people will try to argue, well, game control. Michigan owned that game the entire way. That's fine if the committee didn't say, like they did on Tuesday night, Gary Barta say, 
watching games aside and just started talking about stats, and that's how Michigan is somehow the better team than Michigan State. Well, watching games aside, if you just look at the final margin, Notre Dame beat Wisconsin by more. Um, so basically their their resume is they should have beaten Michigan State, but they didn't. They lost. Um, they beat Wisconsin, and they beat a terrible 6-4 and four unranked Penn State team on the road just escaping them, and somehow they're the sixth best team in the country. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> I mean, it's just I'm so sick of this Michigan stuff. And I'm listening to national podcasts today, and it's Stanford Steve and the Bear. Steve would never say anything this dumb because, you know, he's a friend of the program, and, and I think he actually knows what he's talking about. But the Bear's talking about how Michigan's going to have a real shot in Ann Arbor against Ohio State this year. Like, do they never learn with, with Michigan and Ohio State? Why do they try to throw history out the window? Because every year Ohio State just embarrasses them by more and more. Lest we forget, Michigan canceled that game last year, said they had COVID because they didn't want to lose by 1,000. Like, it's, it's just insane to me that Michigan somehow gets this benefit of the doubt when their only national title in the last 30 years is a shared one. It's just like, I don't get it. Like, what has Michigan done? Why? Why do they get this treatment? So that's the rant. I just, I, I can't believe what Michigan gets because they get what Notre Dame, what people say Notre Dame gets. Yeah. I mean, so many people have gone on about the Michigan, Michigan state thing and everyone is in agreement. It actually might be the most unifying force in all of college football. Like very rarely can you get so many people to agree on one thing in any aspect of life, but especially in college football, but seemingly every other person outside of the playoff committee is in agreement that Michigan being in front of Michigan state is total bullshit. And I honestly wonder like Gary Barta, it's a 13 person committee. He can't say specifically how he feels. He can't be like, well, yeah, man, I, I totally think Michigan state should be in front of them. So he's basically has to trot out there and defend the indefensible. Well, he's pretty good at that. He, he does employ Kirk Ferentz who has what 30 of his former players suing him for alleged discrimination. So, I mean, he, that's, he's pretty good at just defending, you know, things that are indefensible. <laughs> Yeah, it's like if a juror in the OJ trial had to come out after and be like, yeah, well, I thought he did it, but <laughs> the rest of this group, like, it, it's an insane thing to say. But anyway, again, this is going to play itself out. Ohio State is likely going to beat up on Michigan mm-hmm. State and the recently right. uh, extended Mel Tucker. Um, I'm sure that a 10-year, $95 million contract at Michigan State, there's no way that goes wrong. Charlie Wise 2.0. Yeah, last week they beat Maryland. But in this season, they barely beat Nebraska. And what's even crazier about all this is Michigan State was one of the bigger Division One schools that had to cut some of their athletic programs. I think they cut uh, like their swimming programs and something else because there's a huge movement. Um, I don't know how I even know this, but it was a big deal and people were very pissed. And then, yeah, they just turn around a year later and they must have found some money. Because $95 million is a lot of money for a head coach. But yeah. anyway, that'll play itself out. Who cares? Ohio State's going to probably smack both of them. Let's move on to Notre Dame-Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has had a pretty rough go of it this year. They're 3-7. and seven. Um, A lot of their losses have come by a touchdown or less. But still, I mean, they're 3-7. and seven. You are what your record says you are. Their, wins are. their only wins they have are against Duke. And they've got a win against North Carolina somehow. And they also beat um, Kennesaw State. How could I forget? So it's Jeff Collins' third year. Has not gone well for them uh, on either side of the ball. But they're a little bit better on offense. So I guess we could start there. 
You're right. Um, and I, I'm like thinking back on our preseason pod. I actually think I was pretty high on Georgia Tech. I thought they'd be a lot a better lot in year three yeah. under Jeff Collins. And the main reason for that is Jameer Gibbs. And he has been good. There's no denying that. Um, they're running back, sophomore, <clears throat> leads the country in all-purpose yards. And that's the case even with having had six touchdowns called back this year, which is a ridiculous number for one guy to have called back. It's a combination of kick returns, uh, receiving, and rushing touchdowns all called back. So really bad luck on that front. But Six is an insane number. Yeah. I mean, I think we were talking about this before. Notre Dame's had one call back all season as a team. Yeah. Last week, Lorenzo. Yeah. Um, so threat out of the backfield as a runner and receiver and in the return game. Truly an all-purpose back. Side note, he was born in 2002. That's really scary to me. Um, that feels like way too young. But I, Dude, Braylon Allen, that running back who's like really come on for Wisconsin, was born in 2004. Holy shit, that's younger than my brother. Yeah, wow. granted, he's 17 and he reclassified. But okay. still, it'll make you feel terrible. Yeah. Uh, George Tech will likely be without their quarterback, Jeff Sims, who's actually pretty decent. When he's healthy, he's a, he's a good runner himself. He averages about 7.7 yards per carry, but... Doesn't seem like he's likely to play on Saturday, which is good news for Notre Dame. Um, they have a pretty solid number two back, Jordan Mason. Averages around five five uh, yards per clip as well. So really good running game for Georgia Tech. That's kind of where it ends, except for Gibbs. Um, he's really their only reliable receiving threat. They also let up quite a few sacks, stand at 85th in sack rate. And Sims has also coughed up the ball five times this year after doing it ten times last year. So Kind of a turnover issue there. Here's what it comes down to. Georgia Tech's going to try to get the ball to Gibbs time and time again. Run the ball about 53% of the time and, and use play action 30% of the time when passing. A little bit more with Sims than than with who's likely to start on, on Saturday. That's Yates. Um, they're not going to take a ton of deep shots down the field, which I think plays Notre Dame's strengths. Notre Dame's been pretty good at bottling up one-man shows the last couple of years, too, especially on the ground. So I'm not super worried. I'm sure that Gibbs will probably still get his a little bit, but Notre Dame should be fine. As long as they don't let Gibbs get loose on the almighty wheel route, which we always need to defend, I think we'll be okay. Wheel route, most dangerous route in football. Mm-hmm. It's funny, we just mentioned uh, Michigan State, who's having a lot of success with, I think, like 27 guys from the transfer portal. Yep. Georgia Tech, a big reason why a lot of people were high on them is because they actually did get some good transfers, and it just, like, hasn't worked out at all. It's weird how how hit or miss that is, which then, you know, goes back to Michigan State. How smart is this 10-year deal? <laughs> it seems like a one-off, and is this really sustainable where you kind of just are super active in the transfer portal? Kenneth Walker's don't grow on trees. That's not really going to happen. You don't just randomly poach a guy from Wake Forest who's then a Heisman candidate. I don't think that's going to happen all that too often. But for Georgia Tech, their offense, there's other than Gibbs, no one really scares me at all. Notre Dame hasn't given up a touchdown in the month of November. Um, do you really see that changing? Um, I do think they let up one touchdown on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised they didn't, but I think Gibbs is good enough where he'll get one. I mean, yeah, they – their receivers are pretty much just like not even name worthy. They got one guy transfer from Northwestern who I guess is probably their best reliable or not. He's not their most reliable Gibbs is, but he's their only real receiver. Um, I'm not even going to name him because he's that worthless. But um, <laughs> anyways, like it's just, it's Gibbs. That's pretty much it. Look on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Georgia tech isn't much better. Um, they're actually somehow worse. Would you say better or worse than Virginia on defense? They're worse. Wow, that's hard. 
Yeah, it's it's hard. I'll get into some numbers that show that for you in a second, but I think it's just so weird that Jeff Collins is like a he's considered a really good defensive mind in college coaching circles. Um, he's sort of gained prominence back in twenty five or twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen. He's the defensive coordinator at Florida. Granted, more talent there, but two years in a row. I think the first year he was there, they had like the sixth best defense and scoring defense. Then the next year it was tenth uh, or eleventh. Either way, he came up as a great defensive mind and in his third season the the Yellow Jackets have a record of 9 and 23 since he came on board and I know he was dealt a pretty tough hand trying to replace Paul Johnson with a bunch of guys on offense who were recruited to run the triple option so he gets a little bit of a pass there but there's yeah. really no excuse for how bad this defense is um some numbers to put in perspective just how truly awful they are on this side of the ball so they're tied for 93rd in the country in scoring defense. They give up an average of 30.2 points per game. They're 111th in yards per play. They give up 6.3 yards per down. And this number has actually gotten worse week to week. It has oh, not wow. gotten better. Good. Um, they're 101st in points per drive. Um, they're 99th in rushing defense. They give up an average of 176 yards per game on the ground, but somehow they are worse at covering the pass than they are the run because they're 125th in yards per attempt and 126th in pass efficiency defense. My favorite stat of all, though, is they're 104th in the country in sacks with 16. (laughs) Eight of those 16 came in one game (laughs) against North Carolina. Oh, UNC. Yeah, just terrorizing that sorry-ass offensive line over there in Chapel Hill. But look, Notre Dame has had a couple opening drives this season that resulted in touchdowns. But if you look at the season as a whole, the offense consistently starts off slow. I don't know what it is, but Notre Dame ranks 113th in the country in first quarter points per game. That's really bad. Now, usually they figure it out, but I would just love to see Notre Dame come out of the gate with a touchdown, opening drive, and keep the foot on the gas for the rest of the half and just put away this defense. There is no reason why they shouldn't. In the second half, we should be seeing walk-ons out there getting potentially catches. Let's get Salerno the ball a little bit. Like I want every single guy in the Notre Dame roster on the offensive side of the ball to get a snap in this one. Notre Dame could probably put up 21 points on this group with their scout team, and that might be offensive to the scout but I might be underselling them. Yeah. Wow. That it seems like you feel pretty strongly. Um, <laughs> That's why they're worse than Virginia. Okay. Fair enough. You know, Jeff Collins and, and George Tech has done a really big job with branding like ATL and 404, all this stuff. I went to the game in Atlanta last year over Halloween because it's one of the only games we go to during the pandemic. And it's a pretty cool stadium. Bobby Dodd, like got a great yeah. view of the Atlanta skyline, but, um, you know, when he took over the job, they had 14 scholarship running backs. That's an interesting dynamic to take over. So uh, I, I don't know if George Tech fans were expecting three wins again this season, but three win Jeff is back up to his old tricks. I know. It's surprising. Some games that they've had a chance to win. I mean, they, they lost by eight to Virginia. They lost by nine to Virginia Tech, three to Miami. I don't know, man. It, it's really hard to to say how this team has gotten this way it kind of feels like 2016-ish with Notre Dame where like you look at the box score and you see like, oh, wow, they were in a lot of these games. So they just blow it at the end. This should not be the case uh, against Notre Dame. Notre Dame is far better than pretty much every team they played on their schedule this year. So, um, yeah, I'm really expecting a blowout, which is sort of a good segue into our predictions. 
So I'm going to go with uh, Notre Dame 38, Georgia Tech 10. I do think Georgia Tech gets a touchdown, but that's all they get outside of a field goal. I, I think this game could very well be another snoozer. Um, Notre Dame should be able to score points with ease. What I'm most interested in is seeing Kyron Williams get to the 1,000-yard threshold on the ground. It's 126 yards away, and against this Georgia Tech defense, it seems like it's certainly feasible to get to that point. I'd love to see him get it and what's likely going to be his last game in Notre Dame Stadium. Like I said, give him the senior day treatment now. Um, outside of that, I think what I'm most looking forward to is, is seeing guys like Kurt Heinish and MTA and Drew White be sent off the right way. And he- those guys have been around forever. Heinish and MTA played against Georgia four years ago. Um, all three guys committed to a 4-8 and eight program and, and stayed committed and really have been the building block of an incredible past five years. A win Saturday in Notre Dame will have won 10 games, five seasons in a row for the first time in program history. Think about the history of Notre Dame. That is so significant. And all three of those guys have been part of all five of those teams. I mean, two of those guys played on all five teams significantly. So it's guys like that who, who really set the building block for, for, you know, the sustained success Notre Dame's had by never jumping off the boat. So I'd like to see them be sent off the right way. An even crazier thing is you think about the current Notre Dame senior class, the student body, they had not seen a loss at home until the Cincinnati game this year. And so they're going to go out with one loss in their career. I mean, that's awesome. I I don't know how you can ask for anything better. We had, what, four or five alone my sophomore year, including the one to Duke. So, um, like, I can't really – I don't think those kids can ask for anything better. Just a really healthy place and – makes for these Saturdays to be a a whole heck of a lot better. Definitely. And you consider what the students have had to go through, uh, really the past two and a half years almost, pretty much since the COVID. That's a a really good point because this same senior class has only had one normal school year. True. But, you know, good for them. It seems like this Saturday should be a great send-off for everyone, students involved as well. Uh, For me, I'm seeing a a five-touchdown, three-field-goal day for Notre Dame, that seems about right for this team going up against Georgia Tech. Uh, given how quickly Kelly went to the young guys last week once the game was in hand, um, it's hard to see him not doing the same against a far inferior team in Georgia Tech. But they should still be able to put up a lot of points in the first half, like I was just saying, with their starters on the field. And hopefully the second unit is able to put up more points than they did last week if they're given their opportunity. also want to give a shout-out to our favorite Brothers Bar and Grill Award winner, John Doerr. <laughs> as frustrating as he's been at times, pretty much throughout his career. Uh, For the most part, he's been one of the most clutch kickers we've had in a while. This is his last home game at Notre Dame Stadium. I kind of hope he gets a few opportunities to put some points on the board. Um, And on the other side of the ball, Notre Dame, like I said, they haven't given up a touchdown since before Halloween. And you know what? I think they keep that streak alive for another week. Give me 44-6 to Irish and uh, a great send-off for the seniors. I like that. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Let's hope... uh... Whoever's playing in the Interhall title the next day uh, gets more sleep than, than you did your senior year before winning that. Shout out Jack Walsh, <laughs> the only undefeated coach in Notre Dame Stadium history. That's true. Build the statue of Jack Walsh. I think I woke up at noon with a violent hangover and like a low fever, but shout out to the coach. Led us to victory. But um, you got any final thoughts on Georgia Tech? I don't have many thoughts at all about Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know what? Honestly, though, I'm glad you brought up MTA and Kurt Heinisch because next week – in the recap, I think we'll go a little bit more in depth on just truly what that entire class has been able to do and all the accomplishments because um, it's worthy of a lot more airtime and I'm sure they'll get the recognition they deserve. But um, until then, 
We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and hit us up on social media at Sons of Sat Irish. <laughs>